0: First of all, not everybody's called to be a preacher, but I will say this, the best leaders are the best communicators. As I look at the best leaders in any in- industry, whether that's a great pastor, a phenomenal coach, a, a great entrepreneur, you know, even uh, just the best parents, the families that flow the best and, um, and have the most success, typically you're gonna see that it's connected to really good communication. And, and so I think we all need to understand that this should be a high value for us. Welcome to What's Next with
1: Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Mike O'Connell, and Mike serves as the executive pastor at Love Church in Omaha, Nebraska. He is also an entrepreneur, a speaker, and leadership coach. And I've gotten to know Mike over the past year, and I couldn't be more impressed with the man of God he is, and also the leader he is, and how he impacts every room he's ever in. I'm extremely excited for this conversation, and get out your notepad now, because OC is surely to bring you more nuggets to spur you on in life than maybe any guest we've ever had, and I have my notebook out as well. I am not exempt from that, because I'm going to be taking notes as we go as well. So OC, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's so good to be able to spend a few minutes with you here, man.
1: Yeah, likewise. And, and I am truly excited for this conversation. But we're going to start like we do with all the guests. And I want you to talk about where you're originally from and what type of athlete you were, because you, you had a very successful athletic career. We want to hear about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up uh, in, in eastern Iowa, was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and in fifth grade moved to Iowa City, Iowa. And, you know, I was the type of kid that, you know, man, mom had to call me in the house, you know, as the sun was going down, just always outside. I had a brother that was 14 months younger than me. So all we did when we were growing up was play sports. It was like backyard tackle football to some baske- basketball, you know, play some wiffle ball back to some more footballs. It's like, you know, sports uh, all the time. And I fell in love with sports and I love sport. And I was a four sport athlete in, in high school. And then had the privilege to go on and play uh, at Iowa State University. So I actually went, uh, went to the dark side. I'm from Iowa City, Iowa, where the Hawkeyes are at. And I uh, made the bold decision to go to Ames, Iowa, and play for the Cyclones. So that was, that's a little bit of my background.
1: Were you recruited by the Hawkeyes?
0: I was, yes. I was recruited. My story's kind of crazy. Um, my dream was to be a Hawkeye. Uh, I suffered a couple of major injuries towards the tail end of my high school career, perforated bow as a, as a junior in high school where I almost died. Wow. And then in my first game of my senior year, I broke my foot and had to have two screws put in. So my recruiting journey was pretty crazy um, was being recruited by a lot of the major division one schools in the Midwest. But because of those injuries, I ended up having to walk on. So I didn't start with a scholarship at a division one school And I actually made the decision to walk on at the University of Iowa. But um, funny thing is, is two weeks after I made that decision, I was notified by the admissions department that I didn't get into school there. Um, I went to a private high school where the top 50% of my high school graduating class was a 3.7. One of the requirements to get in at the University of Iowa was you had to be in the top half of your graduating class. So because I was not, um, they didn't let me into school, man. So, so I really didn't have a choice. I, I was like, all right, what am I going to do from here? And ended up, uh, thankfully Dan McCartney gave me a shot in Ames Iowa and it worked out great, man. I ended up having a great career earning a scholarship and, you know, uh, w- just had an outstanding time, uh, being a cyclone.
1: That's, that's amazing. And I don't want to waste our time driving home this point right now, but it's amazing. Like I went to a private high school as well. And I assumed I had somewhere around a three, seven, three, eight GPA. I had had a few B's throughout high school, the rest A's. Well, I assumed that that was my GPA. Well, when I started getting reports back from colleges that were recruiting me and it was a lot better school, a lot of Ivy League schools, they were saying, no, you have a weighted 4.2 GPA or whatever it was. So it's amazing Mm -hmm. that like those little nuances coming from a private school can either, in my case really helped me or in your case really hurt you in those situations it's that, that's um that's crazy that's that's crazy but god has a way of putting you exactly where he wanted you you have a successful career at iowa state you're pursuing a career in the nfl when you feel this call to ministry and mm-hmm. for so many out there the call to ministry which which you can talk about this at times like society just tells you everywhere you look that no, 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 you need to strive to be a big-time businessman. You're pursuing this career as an NFL football player. You could go be a big-time coach or, or something. What, what led you to be able to be at peace in, in then pursuing the call to ministry?
0: For sure, no, that's a great question. And it's true. If, if I'm really honest, when people ask me the question, um, I would have never dreamt of the life that I'm living now as a pastor and you know living in full-time ministry never would have imagined myself doing this. But you're right, man. I finished my career at Iowa State, had a chance to pursue the NFL and uh, played one season in the UFL. And I'm so grateful for for that opportunity and the chance to do that. And candidly, a, a lot of my college coaches, I had I actually played for three different head coaches. So on one side, that's not ideal. Uh, That's not an ideal situation, but I had a ton of connections around the country and the business. So a lot of, a lot of the guys that had coached me were trying to get me to like get into coaching, you know, and had some opportunities to do that. But funny thing enough is you said that everything happens for a reason. Um, You know, here I am, you know, I've, I'm a decade in Omaha. I, you know, I graduated uh, from Iowa State in 2010, so let's call it, we're 12 years removed from my time in Ames, Iowa, and there's no question that God was setting a plan in motion by bringing me to Ames, Iowa. I met um, our team orthopedic surgeon, Tom Greenwald, who hosted a Bible study, and that's really where I began my faith journey. Well, when I graduated from from college, I went on a men's retreat and uh, met this guy by the name of Todd Doxson in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So here's how full circle this is. I'm pursuing pro football, living in Los Angeles, California in 2012. And Todd uh, Doxson, who's a pastor in Omaha, Nebraska, who I had met one year prior to this moment was out in Southern California. And I met up with him and one of his mentors and one of his mentors challenged me and said, Hey man, there's like a really cool work that God's doing in Omaha, Nebraska. Like, why don't you just go there and start serving and studying God's word? Well, that challenge or that encouragement from, from Frank Ramsewer just really started to stir something up in my heart. And oftentimes I tell people, you know, it was just undeniable. Like I, I couldn't say no to the stirring that was going on in my heart. It's kind of hard to even articulate or explain, but I just knew that I was supposed to be in Omaha. So I was out in Los Angeles and I packed up my 2009 Dodge Avenger and drove 30 straight hours, took a nap in in Denver at a gas station, and uh, ended up in Omaha with no job, no place to live. I came in complete faith. And really, I was just saying, God, I want you to use my life, and I want to make an impact. I know that life is short. And up to this point, I've used this gift of life you've given me to fulfill my purpose. And I want to use this gift of life that you've given me to fulfill your purpose. And It's worked out, man. Uh, The last 10 years, the last decade of saying yes to God in that way uh, has definitely brought on some challenges, but equally or maybe even above many blessings. And I do get the great privilege of, of serving a lot of people and helping a lot of people, which obviously is super fulfilling
1: you get to serve me as well, because I'm tuning into your ser- sermons from Louisville, Kentucky. And so you're impacting so many. So I'm blessed by you being obedient to that call to ministry. And I can't imagine, you know, if I was challenged like that, if if I would have, you know, even been willing to try that in those moments. So um, I'm super impressed by that. It's It's always amazing to me podcast guests from every walk of life, there's generally one person that gave them a nudge an encouragement that leads them to this calling and to where we're learning from high achievers on this podcast. And it's all, it's generally one person that gave them these words of can, encouragement, confidence that spurred them on and it's being aware, to the, being aware of those moments, being present in those moments that, that you can accept that and move forward with it. I, I enjoyed when you were saying you played for three different coaches in college. I played for seven head coaches in the NFL in my nine-year career. Two were in Wow! row, but I, I definitely know the Hey, there's coaches all around the country. You you meet. Um, you know, I call the Bills games now. It's amazing how many times before the game I'm hanging out in the field, and it's coaches that came through Buffalo because the NFL is a big. It's a good old boys club. Everyone takes. Oh one. yeah. And so you know, as a coaching staff gets fired, all those coaches getting jobs all around the NFL. So it's amazing how many different coaches. And, and I've talked many times on the value of that too, and being adaptable mm-hmm. and learning different schemes and showing that I'm willing uh, to learn the playbook, to adjust the new techniques and, and how that has served me um, at different parts of my life. But digging in a little bit more on your story and, and kind of where you're at now, you are one of the most gifted communicators I've ever been around. And that goes from me listening to your sermons on the weekends. And if, if you haven't listened to one of Mike's sermons, One of his most recent ones was Memorial weekend. And it's absolutely incredible. You'll understand through this podcast, we may get a little preachy, Uh, you know, Mike, Mike may hit that uh, a preacher moment. You might get a small taste of it, but you got to see that energy (laughs) and passion he brings to the stage. And, and, and I don't want you to have to bring that passion. I want to have just a conversation with you for sure, man, for sure. I can listen to that. But anyways, communication is important in sports you know, as, as a defensive back, as an offensive lineman, we have to communicate with those on the field. So it's, it's important in sports. It's important in your family setting. It's important in business, but it's very, very, very important when you're preaching to a congregation and you're trying to lead others to Christ. And so for someone who didn't grow up in public speaking, how do you, you, you obviously are a gifted communicator, but how have you sharpened that gift over the years?
0: Yeah, that's such a great question. The first thing I want to say about communication, and I think this could be helpful for all the listeners. Uh, First of all, not everybody's called to be a preacher, but I will say this. The best leaders are the best communicators. As I look at the best leaders in any industry, whether that's a great pastor, a phenomenal coach, a a great entrepreneur, uh, you know, even uh, just the best parents, the families that flow the best and Um, and have the most success, typically you're going to see that it's connected to really good communication. And, and so I think we all need to understand that this should be a high value for us. And the reality is that I, I, I've just learned that if you value something, you're going to want to grow and get better at that. And I don't know why I, you know, realized this at a, at a young age, but I just realized as I studied successful people and great leaders it kept coming back to the fact they're great communicators. And oftentimes the reason why that's so crucial is because we've got to galvanize, uh, you know, people, we've got to get people rowing in the same direction and, and helping people take steps and movement. And so for me, I'm just a learner, man. So before you can be a great communicator, I think you need to be a great listener. Uh, do you have the ability in every situation uh, to, to learn. And I've, I've tried to just learn and study the best. I've, I've read books on, on communication. One of my favorites is by uh, John Maxwell it, and it's called everyone communicates, few connect. And there's a difference between uh, speaking, communicating and connecting. And um, and so what I've learned also, just in this journey of communication is the world doesn't need a replica What they need is the true, authentic Mike O'Connell. And that's true for everybody. It doesn't mean that we don't learn from others, but you have a unique voice. And honestly, what connects with the heart of man and woman is an authentic, genuine person. And when you can speak authentically with a genuine heart, with passion, you will connect with people and you will make an impact through your communication. So for me, lots of listening, lots of studying and sharpening the saw, and also just taking reps. Um, You know, young people ask me all the time, how do I grow as a communicator? Well, here's the deal. You might not be getting invited to speak on stages, but you can stand in your bathroom, in the mirror and give a speech. I know that sounds silly, but it's the 10,000 hour rule. You know, how are you putting in those reps behind the scenes? How are you doing the lonely work? You know, here I am. I've been a decade on on this communication journey. And I think people think, oh man, like he's just a gifted communicator. And this just happened overnight. No, this is 10 years of being committed to going on the journey.
1: You're exactly right. You once told me that it's better to be overqualified and under, how did you phrase it? and and under not and not as much in the spotlight than in the spotlight and yeah and so yeah
0: so basically the idea and i'm i'm going to i don't have the the quote fully memorized but basically i'd rather be um i'd rather be like overqualified and 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 not getting an, enough reps or attention than getting a ton of attention but being underqualified cuz there's something that happens in and, and here's what I want to want to tell people is I want the character that's going to keep me there. Like, I don't want to be the one hit wonder. I don't want to step on the stage, give one good speech and be done. I want to I want to I want to have a, a space for the long haul. I want to make an impact for the long haul. So oftentimes, I think sometimes it's just God's grace on the timing of the spotlight of the stage, so on and so forth. And so that's what's given me a lot of freedom is I understand that right now I'm influencing or impacting or speaking to a segment of people and that may grow over time or it may stay right here. But even before the call, we were talking about this. One of the things that's freed me is this this mindset of audience of one. Yes, Like I'm trying to use this gift and be a great steward first and foremost, giving it back to the great gift giver, right? And so that's my perspective as I approach uh, communication, speaking, and impact and influence,
1: yeah. And you're on the Montgomery company speaking team, so you speak in a lot of secular spaces as well. So you're gaining those reps, those then help you back on the stage when you're impacting for Christ as well. But even when you're in those secular settings, you're still out there. Your purpose is to impact those for the kingdom of Christ. How tough Absolutely. is it for you? How tough is it for you? Because I found myself in a, in a sp- secular speaking gig recently constantly trying to say, like, like they'd say, how'd you get through the tough moments of your career ending? And I'd say, I really just wanted to be like, a lot of it was my faith and my foundation in Christ, but you got to give them a little something extra as a pastor. How difficult is it to separate yourself when you are in those secular spaces? So, because they're not hiring you because you're a pastor, they're hiring you because you're a phenomenal uh, personal coach and and speaker.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if I can be really vulnerable with the audience, this has been probably one of the greatest challenges for me, just in my professional development is I'm constantly fighting that lie of, you don't, you don't belong on this stage. Like, you know, you know, th- they're already writing you off. Cause you're, you know, like your vocation is pastor, uh, but I've just, I've, I've just tried to fight those lies with, Hey, if I'm being invited into the room, I know that I'm here by design, not by accident, and I want to leave a lasting impact on this audience. And so, for me, what I've tried to do is number one, is I try to be myself. I try to to not shy away from from what is most meaningful and valuable to me and my value system, but I try to communicate it in a humble, impactful way. And so, you know, for me, I'm I'm not going to go into the secular space and start preaching, but you know, uh, what I, what I've realized is what, what connects with, with the human heart more than anything is story. And I just can't, you know, deny my story. And so when I share bits and pieces of my journey and my story, I'm just realizing that I'm being my most authentic self. So I can do two things. I can impact people and also glorify Christ in those moments.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And it's stories and then authenticity, which you mentioned earlier. And I had Kyle Audman on my podcast a long time ago, when I was first getting into broadcasting and this podcast and speaking. And he's one of the most gifted communicators I've ever been around that I've ever witnessed. But it's hard to put a pinpoint on it. It's not a bunch of quotes with him. He still uses an iPad a lot of times uh, throughout his sermons. And he said, yeah, I'm just up there being myself and people connect with that. And he said, in this day and age of speaking and broadcasting, it's less of a theatrical performance that it once was. And that's how we clarified the best communicators. And now what connects, especially with this younger generation, is authenticity. And when he said that, it it it, it was a, a light bulb moment for me. Like, you're exactly right. That's why each and every Sunday I can connect with a Kyle Ideman because I know he's up there being his authentic self. So I loved how you said that. As we talk about, um, you know, these speaking gigs, and I know you, you, you're you still drawn to the business world, and we have our mm-hmm. Bible study, you have so much going on in your life, so much positivity. We We've been to conferences together, all that going on. Where do you personally find the balance between being content right where you are, but also being driven enough and wanting to be a steward of the gifts God has given you?
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, one of my favorite quotes, so to speak, is "Work like it's up to you. Pray, pray like it's up to God." And so, for me, at the end of the day, I recognize that it's it's all a stewardship issue. So, you know, he who has been entrusted much, you know, much is required. And so, I want to maximize my potential. I want to maximize my gift set. I want to make the most of of. You know, the dash on my gravestone, so to speak. And I think we all want to do that. And so it's all about sensing the season. It's all about having an awareness. There's certain seasons where I've got to push a little harder, but I'm aware enough to know when I maybe need to pull back. And part of that is just having great dialogue. I I laugh all the time. Um, My wife is the one that keeps me in check. Uh, She always laughs and jokes that I'll be like a horse and just go until I'll drop. And, uh, God definitely put her in my life to help me learn to rest. And I, I, li- I love this quote. It's really impacted me, but rest can feel like stress if busyness or put in any word, if achievement is how you self-medicate. So I have to ask the question, what is the motivation for my drive? Like, is it stewardship? Is it really maximizing my gifts or is it fear of failure that's driving me? Is it my insecurity that's driving me? And I just have to be honest when it is my insecurity or my fear of failure, because I think those are the, the negative things that can drive us to a place of burnout, striving and, and all sorts of chaos in our life. And so really, it's just it's really, you know, taking inventory on a regular basis, but not leaving anything on the table. What, what, what a travesty, man, if my time is up and I didn't fulfill all that God called me to. And, and I know that this life, I'm not called to be comfortable. I'm called to make a sacrifice. And you can't expect new blessings off old sacrifices. And so I got to be willing in each season to say, man, what's my sacrifice? What's my pace? Because I know that God has, has graced me for the pace that he's invited me into. So I'm always asking, what's the pace of grace for this season?
1: let's take a moment for one of our sponsors. The daily vitamins and supplements I've been using for optimization each and every day are those from BrainMD. Go to BrainMD.com and use code ERIC15 at checkout for 15% off. That's that's so good. Uh, I mean, every time I spend time around you, I feel like I just have to have a notepad because there's so much that comes out and it's it's from you being an avid learner. That's why Mike's able to have these quotes committed to memory, similar to the importance of memorizing scripture so that you could fall back on them. And he's able to fall back on these when he's giving questions, when he's trying to impact an audience. So I want to commend you on that because it shows each and every time you are communicating. And I was going back through some of our notes of our Bible studies, which Generally, I know OC's in a certain amount of small groups within his church, but ours is mainly just a bunch of dudes trying to figure it out. But we we do use OC as kind of our resident pastor, our guy with the seminary <laughs> degree, almost a little bit of fact checking at times. And I have a I have uh, pages of notes from stuff he said. But one of the things you said, and I'm going to try and recite this from memory, but you said, "Do not sacrifice your marriage on the altar." of ambition. Was that correct? Mm,
0: yeah, that's right. That's when yep. I
1: committed to memory from you because I have to constantly acknowledge that you mentioned your wife and you talked about how she pulls the reins on you. And my wife is the exact same way and God blessed us and knew exactly what we needed in our lives. So as you pursue everything you have going in your life and you're trying to be this great steward of your gifts, you also have young children. You also want to be intentional with your wife. What's that look like on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's first and foremost, it starts, it starts with a vision. And so I think, you know, I think this is anybody at any stage in their life can do this is just think about, for me, I go to like retirement age. Let's pretend let's for for the sake of this kind of illustration or moment, go to the moment that you're retiring and ask yourself this question, who is there and what are they saying about you? And I don't know about you, but even just that, like right off the bat, when I think about that, I'm like, man, I want my wife and my children there and the people closest to me. And I honestly, like, I want to at that age value mostly what they say about me. And it's that vision that keeps me in check because that's the life that I'm trying to create. And and the reality is, if you don't have a vision, you will drift into the future and nobody drifts to a desired destination. So it starts with vision and vision orients how I do life. So for me, just from day one, h- how do I guard against falling into this trap? Which if I'm honest, it is a struggle at times. I'm an achiever. Like that's my number one strength finder is achievement. And so, um, so I can go and I can work and, and I am ambitious, but I want to make sure that I'm making my wife and my children priority. And so for me, one, ever since I got married, which we'll be celebrating eight years in August, uh, my wife and I commit to getting away a minimum of one time a year, just her and I with no children. And that has been such a big boulder for our marriage. And then uh, we're, we pretty much hit, I, I wouldn't say weekly, we're probably like every week and a half to two weeks, uh, we're hitting a date night. It's just we have three kids under the age of six right now. So it's a little bit challenging, but we're trying our best to hit weekly date nights. And that is those fundamentals have been so big uh, for our marriage. And then for our family, uh, for me, I take off at least three weeks in the month of June every year, and I commit it to my family. My family makes a big sacrifice uh, for me to be able to do what I do. And so um, those are just some of the rhythms in this season that have been, been healthy for us. But every year before we start the year, we're having a conversation about those rhythms and we're pre-deciding. We don't want to get into a state of emergency. We want to be proactive rather than reactive so that we can um, not fall victim to ambition.
1: That's excellent stuff. And there is so much power in creating a vision and then working back from it, whether that's sitting there in the morning and creating a vision of how you want to show up that day, whether it's, Career-wise, you want it to look like what? You, what you want to look like as a dad, a mother, whatever that may be. When you create this vision, is this something you write down? Is it something you tap into daily? What's your What's your kind of rhythm in creating this vision?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of ways to do it, but I think, yeah, I, for me, I, I like to say it's not a vision until it's written down. Um, and so, I would uh, I would write it down, and it doesn't mean that you don't revisit it and tweak it. But for us. Um, for us, we, we kind of work off this rhythm one time a year. We're going to like, so towards the end of this year, my wife and I will get away for two days and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of take a fresh look at our family vision and then we'll create vision for the the entire next year. And then every four months we're going to revisit and just have some conversation about, Hey, are we heading down the right track or do we need to make some adjustments? And I think again, everything rises and falls on communication that's where the breakdown or the success happens and so we've had to just you know we've had seasons where we haven't been too great at that but we have seasons where we've you know executed strong in that so i would just say don't be afraid to write your vision down and it sometimes it even takes faith to write it down and uh, there's just power in that
1: there is tons of power and vision. Um, And and I appreciate you saying that and and visiting it with your wife and and talking about it and talking out loud. That's all speaking it into existence. So that's excellent. And to steal your line, you're never drifting to your desired destination. So don't drift there in your marriage. Don't drift there in your career, create that vision and then work on the process to get there and then prioritize your marriage, prioritize your family. Because if you're going to say that's the most important thing in the world to you, maybe outside of your faith, whatever it may be, then you need to prioritize it. I know that you're a big, uh, you're a morning person and most of us that strive in achievement with young kids, you need to be a morning person because that's the time you're going to be get some time to yourself. What's your morning routine look like?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, right now, I mean, I love, I love the mornings and, uh, and for me, there's just a couple of fundamentals. Number one is I'm going to spend some time, uh, just being quiet, being still. Um, I don't know about you, but, uh, we live in a fast paced world and it's a noisy world and there's something about, uh, being still in the morning. So, Usually I try to be still for five to 10 minutes and that kind of looks like praying as well. And so I I spend some time praying, getting in in God's word. And then I really like, uh, I just got a remarkable, if you don't have a remarkable, I'm just telling everybody about these things because there's something about uh, being able to write down your thoughts uh, early in the morning. And that's been a, a huge discipline for me. And there's no distractions, so you can't go to any other apps. This uh, the the remarkable. All you can do is uh, is write your thoughts and get vision for your day. And then I and then also, so then the third component to my morning routine would be I try to consume either like an audiobook, book, a, a, a podcast, some some sort of content that is going to develop my leadership or my craft or something in the, in, in in that arena. So. I'm, I'm focusing on the spirit man first and then just trying to develop, uh, you know, what I'm putting my hands to in this season.
1: That that's excellent. And those are a lot of commonalities between a lot of successful people's morning routines and everybody's different. You got to create your own, figure out what works for you, go trial and error, but have some type of morning routine that sets you up for success each day. All right, let's let's pour into a few recurring questions. Besides the Bible, do you have a favorite book? And I understand you're so well read, it might be tough to choose a favorite. Then I would say, what's the most recent book that's impacted you?
0: For sure. Can I give you two?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, I'll give you two. Um, so there's a book, it's called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. That's a great, like, purpose book. I just, I love that book, and I come back and revisit that off, often. But then Another book that's been really impactful for my leadership has been the book Traction by Gino Wickman. So if you're an entrepreneur or you're leading a business or an organization, uh, man, this book has really made a major impact on my leadership and just how we've made changes inside of our organization has been so helpful. So if you're needing clarity in a system so that you can succeed, uh, Traction by Gino Wickman is a great book.
1: What's the premises behind Traction? If you don't mind,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So the premise is uh, really it's 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 kind of what we talked about. There's these components to your organization or your business. You know, number one being vision and values, and then uh, and then systems. So so for example, like everything that we do as an organization or as a church is it, we're we're using the system. It's the EOS, so entrepreneurial operating system. And so there's a bunch of tools that he talks about. Uh, you know, like your three to five year vision, um, your values. Uh, we, we have a weekly meeting that's called an L10 meeting. So it's a 90 minute meeting for our executive team that follows the same agenda every single week. Um, we compile issues lists. We've got a scorecard for our organization so that we're measuring things that matter most. So it's this, this kind of robust system uh, that will help you gain traction uh, in your organization.
1: Good deal. What was your first car?
0: First car, a Pontiac, Pontiac Grand Am, dude. This thing, we called it Percy because it purred down the street. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I asked that question because of how you lit up. Uh, your first car generally brings you back to a place where you get that first sense of freedom. A lot of good times when you get that first car. So that, that's why I asked it, just so I could see you light up like that. What's your
0: favorite restaurant? anything mexican or sushi mexican or sushi and i am uh i'm 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 all in i love it we're
1: we're a sushi family my wife loves mexican as i've been on this journey to not look like an offensive lineman anymore i gotta be careful at mexican restaurants because like (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm not gonna not i understand it's a double negative we talked a lot about communication but i'm not i'm not
0: gonna not eat a bunch of chips at the start of the meal, right? Yeah, that's my that is my number one problem with with going to the Met. It's two meals in one, right?
1: (laughs) It's how much how much of the chips I'm gonna eat and then what I'm gonna eat. Plus, we have young kids. I'm a west side of Cincinnati guy. I'm not gonna waste a lot of food at the table either. It just ends up being probably a 2500 calorie meal for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah, cheat day. Let's go.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. All right. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Mike O'Connell? What's coming down the line for you, brother?
0: Yeah, so we're coming into the month of June, so I'm going to get some time off with my family. I'm super excited. Taking a, a trip to Miami with my wife, so I cannot wait for that. I'm super excited for things that are on the horizon, man. I mean, there's, uh, you know, some speaking engagements coming up that I'm really excited about. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to – I'm trying to just maximize this next season and, and continue to sharpen this off. So really excited. Good deal. Well,
1: enjoy that time with your wife. Thank you so much. We're recording this in early June. So, so thank you so much for incorporating me and the listeners into your month of June. Keep impacting the way you are, brother. I've I've known you for around a year now and you've impacted me in a big way. I've heard you uh, speak on other platforms prior to even getting to know you. So keep using the, gods, the gifts that God has given you to make a huge impact out there. I appreciate our friendship and thank you so much for your time here today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, man. I just want to say this. Uh, you're one of the most impressive leaders that I know. And uh, so thankful for your friendship, your brotherhood. And I'm really excited for just what's ahead for you, man, and what you're leaning into your gift set, what you're stepping into. And it's an honor, man, to, uh, to be along for the journey. Keep making a difference. You are making an impact. People are watching. And uh, man, just the way that you show up for people is really impressive. Keep it up.
1: I appreciate those words, brother. Love you, man. Talk to you soon.
0: Yeah. Talk soon. See ya.
1: This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy and I get everything from him from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes.